Lord, as we continue to hear your biggest teaching, help us to learn Mark and inwardly digest it, that it might shape us more into the people that you've created us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. That was a lot of hell in today's. <laughs> I just noticed as I was hearing it again, I'm like, that was a lot of hell. <laughs> today we continue making our way through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And our passage for today, as you heard, is a little harder to hear than last week's message of you are salt, you are light. This week, we get the well-known pattern of you have heard it said this thing, but I say this harder sounding thing. Basically, Jesus takes the Ten Commandments and uses them as a jumping off point for his own teaching. So, you have heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I say to you, if you are even angry with a brother or sister, you shall be liable to judgment. And you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you that if you even look at another with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And you have heard it said that you should not swear falsely or bear false witness. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is one of those teachings of Jesus that could easily discourage us or misguide us. It can discourage us because it appears that Jesus sets such a high bar that we fear we'll spend the rest of our lives just trying to get close to that standard. And honestly, we really don't hold out much hope of even that. And it can misguide us because we can hear this and think, well, clearly Jesus knew that we couldn't live up to this standard. So he's really showing us how impossible it is for us to live a life of righteousness. He wants us to see that it is only in falling on God's grace and forgiveness that we'll be okay. He's making a point here, but he's not really interested in us trying to keep the law in this way. I don't think there's any way you can hear Jesus' teaching especially in the Gospel of Matthew, which we're hearing from all this year, and think that Jesus is not interested in us keeping the law. I did not come to abolish the law, he says, but to fulfill it. Not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So if we're convinced that Jesus takes the law seriously, how are we to understand this passage? Using very familiar and traditional teachings on murder and adultery and oaths, Jesus intensifies them for his listeners, extending these te teachings into all areas of our lives. We no longer get to say, no murder today, <laughs> check. No adultery today, <laughs> check. <laughs> we don't get to be comfortable with prescriptions that we've been able to keep at arm's length. No longer do the teachings on murder and adultery apply strictly to acts of murder and adultery. Instead, they become doorways into our internal orientation as well as our external actions. 
what the Pharisees were telling everybody is that if you scrupulously follow the letter of the law, you will be good with God. This infuriated Jesus. He told the Pharisees that they use the law to strain out a gnat while they swallow a camel. That they tithe mint and dill and cumin while neglecting the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. That they are like whitewashed tombs that look all beautiful and clean on the outside, but are full of dead bones and filth. So Jesus connects the dots for his listeners from outward acts to inward orientation. He explicitly draws the through line from to murder from anger to adultery from lust. Just as it is easier to tithe your cumin at the temple than it is to do justice, it's easier to keep the commandment against murder than to avoid anger in one's heart. It is one thing to behave rightly. It's another thing entirely for one's heart to be oriented toward loving relationship. The righteousness of the kingdom that has drawn near in Jesus is more than following rules. It requires a life shaped around right relationship with God and with others. All of us know that it's easier to keep hard and fast rules. This is why so many folks are drawn to fundamentalism in all faiths. There you will be, you'll be told in black and white terms what is right and what is wrong. And for every squishy gray area situation presented, you will be given a definitive right answer. This is very attractive. Just tell me the right answer. Give me the clear boundaries and I'll stay within the line so that I can get my get out of hell free card punched, right? <laughs> Everyone specializes and compartmentalizes these days. We have very busy lives with lots of responsibilities. It's reasonable to think, hmm, just as I outsource the cleaning of my home or the maintenance of my car, I'll outsource my moral compass. By doing so, we can glide through life in relative ease, confident that we've met the minimum standards because we've left the due diligence to the pros. But Jesus very clearly says, this is not the way. As we've seen time and time again in scripture, God wants us to wrestle with him directly. He wants us, as Paul says, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. He wants us to enter the fray, rubbing our rough edges up against God and the circumstances of our lives so that they might be made smooth by his forming of us. Being justified by God under the law, being reckoned as righteous has to do with relationship relationship with God and relationship with others. And because relationships live and breathe and change, there are no one size fits all answers. Jesus won't allow us to emotionally or intellectually check out. He won't allow us to sleepwalk through life under the cover of someone else's interpretations and rules. 
He says, you have to roll up your sleeves and enter the messiness and pain and uncertainty and joy of life. You have to take the time and energy to get to know others. And you need to allow yourself to be open and vulnerable enough for others to get to know you. Then you will love God's law as if it is an extension of yourself. As if God's law were written on your very heart. Jesus teaches in such a way to shift our attention from particular behaviors we must avoid to a particular interior orientation of our hearts that we must prayerfully cultivate. For me, today's teaching is especially potent because anger is the besetting sin that I have struggled with most over the years. When I was a young mother, I hated how quickly I became angry with those that I love most, my sons and my husband. And I knew that my anger was outsized to the frustrations of everyday life. I didn't want my children's memories of me to be that I was an angry person. And I was quite aware that I was unable to heal that part of me in my own willpower. So I prayed to God that he might help me be better. I laid it on his altar because I knew that if change was to happen, it would come through him working in me. And this is what happened. I'd be in the middle of yelling at Russ about something. And I'd think, hmm, you're yelling at Russ. Is that really what you want to be doing? And I would excuse myself and gather myself and then return to the conversation. And then I would feel like I was just about to start yelling at Russ. And I'd think, hmm, you're about to start yelling at Russ. Is that really what you want to be doing? And I would take a deep breath. And I would think about why I was at this point of frustration. And then I began noticing how my body tensed up when I was moving towards anger. And I'd say, hmm, your body's quite tense. You're all squanky and clenched. What's going on? What's happened that you've taken all of this stress into your body? And how can you deal with it and diffuse it? And in this way, over time, God helped me back up from expressing my anger in unhealthy ways to dealing with the seeds of my anger before they ever got to that point. And all of this was motivated by the desire to have better, healthier relationships with my husband and with my boys. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live differently from the rest of the world. We are not to go through life trying to do as little as possible, to get away with whatever keeps us just above the cutoff line, whatever we understand that line to be. We are to allow Christ's love to move through us so that our anger doesn't end in broken relationship, it ends in restoration. So that our lust doesn't end in discounting and objectifying another for our desires. It chastens us to be concerned with each unique whole person as they truly are. What Jesus does by intensifying these teachings 
is to encourage us to see that the law that God gave us is first and foremost concerned with relationships. In his teaching today, Jesus gives us a new way of life, not rejecting the tradition, but building upon it. It is a way that demands more, but it promises more. Jesus wants more from us because Jesus wants more for us. Let us invite him to heal and transform our interior orientation that we might know the joy and peace and love of healthy relationships with God and with one another. Amen.